2: Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 19th of May. And unfortunately today does mark the end of my reign of terror, I believe.
0: That's right, Giselle. I'm (laughs) back. And you know what? You're lucky. I haven't listened to any of the podcasts. Whether you actually did the podcast, it's another meta, so I don't, I'm not going to go and uh, dredge through the the, 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 <laughs> the, the the ashes of history, so I'll let all the all the insults <laughs> and the defamation that you must have done on me, um, let them...
2: Uh, oh, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll let me get away with it? Uh, yes, 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 I bumped into a comrade at Mayday, at AAWL's Solidarity Mayday, um, a comrade from the Wobblies who came up to me and said, Where's Pierre? And I said, Oh, he's a, he's overseas, he's away, he's on holidays and he goes and his comrade said, So, do you two get along in real life? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, no, and that's why Pierre's not here.
0: That's right. And actually, um, on radio, it's the best that we get along um, at all. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, it's nice to be back, Giselle. I did have a nice holiday. Not that you really cared, but <laughs> I did... But lots been happening and uh, yes, and we've got a full program again. But of course, to all the regular listeners, who brings this program, Giselle?
2: That's right. The show is brought to you by Australia, Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, au. We're on Facebook and Twitter. So find us on those social media platforms as well, where we post regularly about news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region.
0: So we'll um, and um, we've got a whole range of uh, news updates from the region, but also we've got a uh, interview in the second half of the program.
2: That's right. Um, many of you uh, might have followed the election results in Malaysia. Of course, everybody is calling it practically a revolution. Mahathir is the saviour of Malaysia now, um, I wanted to, if we had titles for shows, I would call this one Malaysia's Amnesia, um, just to comment on how suddenly we've forgotten that Mahathir was actually the dictator, was actually the person that destroyed all of the organs of civil society that were the reason that the Burce movement emerged in the first place. So we on the in the second part of the show today we speak with Irene Xavier who was one of the detainees under the ISA under Mahatia in 1987 um, reminding us of who he is but also talking about, what the election of the opposition, which is now the government, we should stop calling them the opposition, what it actually means for Malaysia.
0: It's actually, a very good title there, um, um, Giselle uh, Malaysian Amnesia. I'm very surprised that you've managed to come up, but obviously, you know, every so often. Oh, welcome work.
2: back, Pierre. Welcome back.
0: That's right. We'll go, all right, so we'll go straight to the uh, to the news item. And the first one is unfortunately um, a bit of a, a, a quite a sad one that it relates to a bridge collapse that happened earlier in, in the week on the 17th of May, where um, 18 people were killed when a section of a flyover under construction fell on moving cars and pedestrians in Varanasi in Uttar Pradesh province. Now, um, the the um, from the initial investigation, police. Police have said that uh, they were aware of the issues facing that uh, bridge construction work and that there were quite a few traffic safety regulations not being followed and the company was not actually um, stopping traffic around that area. Now, the, um, the, the, the company, the Uttar Pradesh State Bridge Corporation, said that um, they don't think that poor quality construction material was to blame for this collapse, and they've actually blamed a thunderstorm that um, uh, they reckon dislodged a loose crossbeam connection or, or um, led to a bearing failure, and that's why the whole um, bridge fell. Um, you would have thought that bridges were able to <laughs> Could withstand, we some uh, weather. That that's correct, but uh, what they did say was um, that there was pressure to um, to finish this flyover, and the workers were actually working round the clock in three hour uh, shifts, and the, um, the the project was already um, behind its deadline. So obviously, um, 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 high pressure job, probably a low um, health and safety, led to this terrible um, disaster where eighteen people were killed.
2: Speaking of disasters, of course, last uh, Tuesday, the fifteenth of May, was the seventieth anniversary of the Palestinian Nakba, which is which means catastrophe in uh, in Arabic, and the culmination of the Great March uh, of Return protests along the Gaza Strip's frontier with Israel. Um, and uh, listeners who tuned in last week will know that we covered um, the Nakba extensively on the show. Um, since the commencement of the six-week um, Great March of Return um, series of demonstrations, over 100 Palestinians have been killed by Israel. Um, over 3,500 have been injured from live ammunition fire. More than uh, 1,200... Uh, sorry, 12,000 Palestinians have been I- injured in total. Um in on on the program last last week we talked about some of the ammunition that was used so yes live ammunition dum dum bullets which basically lodge and explode inside people's bodies um this year, of course, on the 70th um, anniversary of Nakba, uh, US President Donald Trump moved the uh, US Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, a um, contested territory, in a direct attempt to further um, incite a war between the Palestinians and the Israelis Um, and he announced this by live video uh, broadcast to not just US citizens but to the entire world. So uh, for those of you that are based in Melbourne, there is a demonstration today at uh, one o'clock at the State Library of Victoria um, commemorating al nakba and fighting for the on- – well, the- maintaining the ongoing fight for Palestinian freedom. Isn't it
0: about 12 o'clock? Let's go with 12 o'clock. 12, 12 o'clock. Um.
2: Look, and the interesting
0: thing about all that, well, it's very sad and all that, is that the, the, the people who got to um, do the, 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 the pastors, the Christian pastors, I've actually read some of their comments they've made. They're actually anti-Semitic. Um, and they're actually on record saying that all the older Jews are going to burn in hell. Um, so it's, it's very bizarre, the whole thing, apart from...
2: Well, probably because those alliances aren't made on religion, uh, that religion conceals actually that these are capitalist economic business interests. That's
0: right, but it's still bizarre, though. Um, anyway, uh, to another sad story, that um, this week um, we, we pay respect to one of our comrades, Ark Tribe. Ark Tribe um, died this week in Adelaide, and he was a... Um, a delegate and a union member in the construction um, industry. Now also, um, as uh, listeners might uh, remember our tribe was actually one of the people who um, was uh, facing charges um, by the Australian Building and Construction Commission a number of years ago and this came about because um, he actually, um, he was a health uh, a health and safety delegate, he called a, he closed a site down and a site that works safe South Australia actually agreed with it was so atrocious that needed to be uh, needed to be closed down the um, ABCC the Australian Building and Construction Commission um, uh, saw that as um, um, saw that as unlawful behaviour and asked um, and directed our tribe to explain what he did Ark said, I'm not going to answer your questions. And so he was facing six months jail for not um, talking to the ABBC. So um, after a long campaign, he, um, he, um, he the charges were dropped and um, Ark was able to continue being a delegate. So our thoughts go out to his family, his friends and his comrades.
2: In Thailand, a group of pro-democracy activists will camp out on a football field on Monday night before marching onto the government house in the morning to mark the fourth anniversary of the 2014 bloody coup. Members of the Democracy Restoration Group pledged to lead a three-kilometre rally from Tamasat University to the military government seat of power on Tuesday morning, four years after the 22nd uh, coup d'etat. The group's leader, R- uh, R- R- Rungsiman Rome said the coup anniversary is more significant this year than in previous years. Of course, a lot of these um, democracy restoration group activities are being very, very, very heavily repressed by police officers and the military. We've seen a suite of um, recent arrests among those um, activists not quite being slapped with... Um, uh, Uh, Les Majesté charges as yet, but certainly the repression is intensifying at the same time that the democracy movement is increasing. So those tensions... are particularly accentuated at the moment.
0: That's right, that's right. So we'll keep an eye out on what's happening. We'll go to Indonesia now where there is a continuing fight for unionisation at the Coca-Cola plants. The um, uh, Now, the, this fight for the Freedom of Association for Workers at Coca-Cola Amatil's operation has escalated with the formation of a Coca-Cola Indonesian Workers' Council that has brought together four independent unions to challenge the company's collusion with SPSI, the national union structure that originated in the New Order military dictatorship, um, the period of 1967 to 1998. Now, the management has refused to recognize this new workers' council and continues to harass union members while also refusing to reinstate the terminate independent union leaders Atra and Lutfi. This has been an ongoing um, issue in Indonesia. The, um, the on May Day, uh, workers at a bottling plant in Semarang boycotted work on the public holiday and uh, the management actually um, went to their private houses uh, to harass them to uh, to get them to um, to break the the, the the strike and to get them to um, return to work. On the 3rd of May, following this, the Coca-Cola Indonesian Workers' Council wrote to you, Coca-Cola Amatul, Indonesia, saying that the National Collective Agreement was negotiated against the background of violations of the right of freedom of association by their company, including terminating union leaders. And as a result, genuine collective bargaining rights cannot be realized. So therefore, in this situation, workers will continue to organize. And this is certainly something that workers all around the world can share with our um, um, comrades in uh, Indonesia.
2: And in India now, about 90 of the 120 workers retrenched by Dongsung Automotive India Limited went on one day hunger fast on the 9th of May to draw the attention of the Labor Department to the illegality of the company's action. The company is a two-tiered supplier to Hyundai Motors India. It terminated the services of the workers without notice in March this year. It had claimed um, a loss of orders um, from one of its clients and on that basis the company had to basically go into administration or dissolution or whatever. But like many companies in uh, across the world that we're seeing, they reopened um as a different company with only a minor change to the names to, to their name offered the jobs back to these workers on significantly less um money and uh many of those workers refused the other piece of this is that um in the original company Dongsung automotive um those workers had started to unionize in fact it was almost a 100 percent closed shop at the time that the uh company went into dissolution, which is what we would call Phoenix companies. So the workers are refusing to accept this Phoenix company type of structure and are fighting back. So that's really good to see.
0: And and of course, that's something that the ACTU here with the um, the latest campaign is all about all these sham subcontracting. And we go to the latest, the last uh, item on our news list, and it talks about um, asbestos. This is an issue that we've uh, talked a lot about. Um, Now, um, a a recent research paper has estimated that asbestos causes an estimated 250,000 deaths annually. Of which work-related exposures, i.e., uh, for for workers, the uh, of these two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thirty thousand are due to workplace exposures. The cost of of this, um, both uh, in because of sickness and lost lost um, work, is estimated in the um, over a hundred billion dollars a year. And that doesn't include the intangible cost of human suffering. The um, now asbestos has been um, banned uh, in every in fifty five countries around the world, but that's that still leaves around hundred uh, countries, and over two million tons are con- still consumed annually. Now, because um, someone has actually worked out that for every twenty tons of asbestos produced and consumed, a person dies. So um, that's quite a um, horrific um, and stark statistics, isn't it, Giselle?
2: Absolutely.
0: And that's the end of the mini-news for today. And I did forget to uh, thank uh, Solidarity Breakfast for another um, very interesting program. And that music uh, that you heard between the two shows was by um, Blackfire come a day. So that was um, good. We'll go to a short committee announcement, and then we'll be back with that interview with um, Irene on the Malaysian
1: This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the Nurses' Dispute in 1986...
2: Irene, Xavier is one of the coordinators of a group called Sahabat Wanita in Malaysia. It aims to organise women in, um, in industry, particularly in the electronics and the finance sector industries in Malaysia. Irene Xavier was also one of the detainees under the ISA, the Internal Security Act, which was a piece of legislation brought in in the 70s that was ultimately used to persecute communists. She was detained for over a year under the Mahatia government. I interviewed her about the recent re-election of Mahatia under the opposition, not a part of the ruling party that has been in, uh, in government in Malaysia since the establishment of Malaysia. Um, I started off by asking Irene, has all of Malaysia just gone to sleep? Why are we celebrating this victory?
1: I think people were so desperate to get rid of uh, the N, the Barisan, And they felt that without bringing uh, Mahathir on board, they would not be able to do it. So that was the gamble that they took. And the gamble paid off. Because he did bring
2: in the rural (laughs) Malay vote. But when you say the people, I mean, it's the same people that are voting. So surely it is just a matter of them voting against the UMNO party. You
1: see, the, the the voting population are fairly new voters. They are, they are young voters, who, some who are voting for the first time, and many who are voting now for the second time. So those people obviously do not have memory of 87. And Mahathir, uh, they don't have much of a memory of him. Uh So, But what they remember is uh, Najib and what uh, Barisan is doing now. And uh, so they want him out. And they wanted that party out. So that is one part of the voting population. But the gamble that I said uh, was taken not by the people, but by the opposition parties. The opposition parties were so... Uh, embroiled in infighting and um, you know getting rid of uh, past. It was quite an acrimonious uh, parting, and and then they know that they will not be able to bring in the Malay vote, and uh, if they went in for the election this time. Without the Malay vote or a very small Malay vote, uh, they will still not be able to get rid of. So they they felt that it is worth taking Mahathir because he himself came forward, offered himself. Um, so they took that gamble. It was well, only the left wing who who refused to accept Mahathir.
2: Well, let's remember 1987 then. Tell me what you remember of that time. Uh, when he he
1: came into power much before 87. Uh, but by 87, he already... Uh, you know, I remember him as a very dictatorial person. And then um, we saw one... System or one institution after another trouble because of his domination. So, like the judiciary went off, he even dared to sack the whole, uh, the Lord President, the highest uh, judicial officer in the country, he sacked him. So, he, he damaged the judicial system. Then he damaged the election commission. Uh, So there are many systems. He damaged the AG chambers. He merged together the AG chambers and the public prosecutor together. Uh, And so practically, he ran the country as he wanted it. And these were all like civil servants listening to what he's saying and doing what he bids them to do. So that is my memory of Mahathir.
2: And what about his particular offensive against the left, particularly communists and the trade union movement?
1: The, the communists and the trade union movement, the progressive trade union movement. In, in Malaysia, we have uh, the, the bigger part of the trade union movement, which is very compliant with the government. So it's only uh, a small minority within the trade union movement who is left leaning, and uh, Mahathir and all the other ministers before him, prime ministers before him, have always been hard on them. In fact, uh, the prime minister before Mahathir imprisoned more people from the left than Mahathir did. So. An AMNO prime minister attacking the left is, is, is like a given in Malaysia. We know that this is what they will do. So he 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 didn't change that trend.
2: When you were arrested, what year was that? At uh, 1987. So under uh, Mahathir. He used, used
1: yes yeah. He used the ISA, which was already there. But as I told you, the Prime Minister before him, Hussein On actually uh, put more left-wing people behind bars under the ISA uh, than Mahathir. So Mahathir just continued using the ISA that other people had started before him. Sorry. But his particular damaging... Uh, action was to destroy uh, the more neutral institutions like the court.
2: You said that it was only the left that refused to join uh, part of the opposition, and we know the left has been in the opposition before, um, because Mahathir took the front, took the leadership. What were those discussions like among the left?
1: uh Because the opposition rejected uh the left, we only have one uh, left party legal left party they the opposition refused to allow them to join them. They are not part of that coalition so uh, they ran in these elections and they got thoroughly thrown uh because People regarded them as being spoilers in the election, stealing votes away from uh, from PKR, from the opposition party.
2: So we did see this uh, yesterday. I think Anwar Ibrahim was released. He was, of course, yes. captured under Mahathir. We know that evidence was fabricated to to sustain charges of homosexuality yes. and. Other things like yeah. this, this is the legacy of Mahatia. But he was yes. released a, a pardon, a formal pardon. What What are Mahatia's promises to the people? I know releasing Anwar is one of them. And yes. what hope do you have for him honouring the promises?
1: I I think he will honour the promises because he is not in the. Position of uh, power now within the opposition coalition. he's is the smallest party, uh, and he is uh, old, and he's not as uh, he's not very uh, strong physically, so he can't stay for very long for sure. He doesn't have any promising bright spark in his party to offer that would be attractive to the people. Um, So I think how I see it is uh, he has decided, why I don't know, but he has decided to sort of go with the opposition, bring down uh, Barisan National and AMNO and Najib and be remembered as the person uh, who sort of saved Malaysia. I mean, now that he's acclaimed, you, you'll you be surprised at the songs that people have proposed for him and hailed as the savior of the country and so on and so forth. So his whole um, reputation now is opposite of what it was when he was, Prime Minister uh, the first time. Uh, So the historical records will still show him to be a dictator. But uh, I think the memories of people would be that this was the good man who saved us.
2: That was Irene Xavier from Sahabat Wanita speaking about the Malaysia elections. Actually, uh, I do a more in depth um, analysis of the elections on another program, Accent of Women, which you can tune into at 8.30 on Tuesday morning, looking at the current organising space in Malaysia as a result.
0: What, what's this, Giselle, the cross-promotion? Cross <laughs> That's here. exactly... And, and you mean that
2: this was not the best The only reason interview? we have listeners on APC is because they listen to Accent of Women. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> there are, there's a really important event coming up today, comrades, that I really, really urge you all to get to, for those of you that are in Melbourne, and that is the El Nakba um, Rally uh, which is at 12 o'clock today at the State Library. so please be there. Um, this year, the 70th anniversary is critical that we have mass support on the street. That's right, and um,
0: my uh, my mic has just uh, has just um, shat col- itself. Is yeah, the term yeah it's collapsed itself? I'll have to do some engineering. So, if you hear some uh, noises, because I'm actually holding it. Um, but that's uh, that's really all the time that we've got for. So we'll uh, hopefully see all of you at the State Library at twelve. But of course, we've actually got a very po- well. It is a great announcement that we think it's going to um, occur next week. That. The leader of the KCTU in South Korea, Hang Sung-kyun, who's been in jail for two and a half years, is scheduled to be released on Monday, um, six months early. So we'll bring you more information next week. But that's um, fantastic news. Of course, the fact that he stayed over two years in jail was terrible. But anyway, we'll talk about it next week. That's all that we've got um, uh, time for. That's all from us, Pierre Morrow. And Giselle Hanna. And we'll be back next week. And stay tuned to Palestine Remembered coming straight after this community announcement.